This podcast contains coarse language, adult themes, and spoilers. My name's Peach, and for the past couple of years, I've been helping my friend Shag overcome his childhood aversions to everyday foods in the podcast Fussy Eater. Now it's his turn to help me conquer my phobia of scary movies over one spooky night in the FBI studios, one Wikipedia synopsis at a time. This is Spooko. On an early episode of Spooko, I spoke using sort of reasonably violent language about how the idea of me getting a haircut was a waste of time. Uh, And this is about four years ago, and it's become quite a disturbing concept to listen back to because you're listening to someone who is talking about self-care, where like emerging from our self-care era being a complete waste of time and money. And what you're listening to when you hear someone talk about that it's a strange experience. And Shag, like as I've grown and evolved through sitting opposite you and learning about horror films to now four years in, potentially getting close to maybe watching one one day, you'll be pleased to know that I now get my hair cut and I get a shave from the same person who makes a calendar entry as I leave. So I'm on a three-week oh. rotation. Shag, like we are in our friendship homework era. We're in our self-care era. And, you know, 2019 Peach with his quick haircuts, I'm so sorry to say he's gone for good. It, it's kind of crazy that this podcast is a record of not just your journey to loving horror, which eventually will be the end point of Spooko. When we get there, that'll be it. There won't be any more episodes. <laughs> yeah, <But okay. laughs> it's It's, you know, it's the journey of someone someone's own self-care journey right like it's 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 your journey from not looking after yourself to looking after yourself i think that's so exciting and i don't think that could have happened in any other era thanks to social media thanks to i i guess a renewed focus on therapy and self-help and not in the not in the shitty Jonah Hill way, but in like the actual like we need to take better care of ourselves way. My boundaries include uh, people who prevent me from looking after myself. So so it's really heartening to hear. But you know the other thing I love, I love how, mm. and this is probably why I think Spooko is being haunted, and maybe we are in a horror film yeah. or whatever. Is sometimes things just converge so perfectly. So we're like in a in a kind of a new age of Australian horror, thanks mainly to Talk To Me becoming like the biggest horror film in the world that just so clearly reps Australia and particularly Adelaide culture that we covered last week. And recently, I had a funny experience where, and I think this is a very 2023 experience where everybody's trying to work out how they can save money. So we're sort of cutting down on our streaming services or our like subscription services. So we were subscribed to a bunch of things and our household made the call that we probably have to let Shudder go. I feel like I've seen all the deep cuts on Shudder, but there was there's that point where they go, okay, you're, you, they're like, I'm sorry to see you go. You won't be able to access Shudder after this date. And I was like, fuck, I need to like watch as many of these films before this date ends. And most of them were films I hadn't seen, but one of them was a film I saw at Sydney Film Festival. I feel like it was at Sydney premiere at Sydney Film Festival at the Dendi uh, Cinema in Newtown a couple of years ago. And I remember leaving that film like a little bit confused. I remember leaving it being like, 
I don't know how to feel about that. Like, I just watched a really brutal film in which I kind of wasn't sure if it was a comedy. I kind of wasn't sure if the main character was the final girl or if she was the antagonist. Like, I remember genuinely being like, I don't know how to feel about this film. So we kind of never covered it on Spooko. And then I decided to watch it again. And it's that thing where on second watch, I was like, I get it. Like, I actually get this film. This is a film that could only be made in the self-care era. It's actually really interesting for that reason. It's almost like it's a self-care journey of a character from final girl to antagonist. Uh, like, I can't think of any other way to describe Like, it's, it's, it's unlike anything else. It's since become, like, something of a cult Australian horror film. Fingers crossed, you know, it, it rises to talk to me heights. But hopefully not too soon because we, we are still able to talk to its amazing writer, director, and star, Hannah Barlow, joining us on Spooko today. Thank you so much for joining us. <laughs> Thanks for asking me. <laughs> I loved that breakdown. So first of all, first of all, my kind of confusion from leaving that film. Tell me, is that is that is that how people like is that how people like feel like what were people's reactions at the time and now? Um, I feel like people are responding to Sissy depending on who they are and where they they're at with their uh, wellness and mental health journeys. So whatever you projected onto it is relevant. <laughs> <laughs> so, so okay, so so it's your own redemption, yeah, arc, basically. <laughs> but Hannah, it's an interesting one when you think about like when you're creating a work like this. Do you often think in sort of generic tropes, like, like when you're writing a horror or horror adjacent work, are you kind of thinking of like, yeah, okay, which tropes are in, which are out, which archetypes are we ticking or not, or or is it sort of a broader? Uh, piece of creative work than that so my creative partner slash husband Kane and I (laughs) we approach writing from different angles so Kane's like this massive movie nerd like you guys right and he understands all the tropes within the horror genre and he came to me in like 2018 and said let's we're not doing well (laughs) making films in the dark independent small budget films let's make something that we can actually have like commercial viability with so it's actually like engineered in a business way and he said i love slashes i want to introduce you to the world of like 70s to 90s pop horror um and i want you to write from your perspective of stuff you've gone through in your life and so we kind of like melded two different writing styles and approaches of building a film together and what we ended up with was sissy it was very intentionally a B slasher horror gory film, but we threw all of this like um, coming of age glittery Y2K uh, female flavor onto it. Um, so we kind of combined both of our experiences growing up. It is a really gory film. You know, I, I was surprised at the confidence in the gore of this film. Were you always going to make it a gory film? Was this new to you? Yeah. Yeah, we were always going to make it a gory film. That's the vehicle we approached first, was like, how can we make really funny, gross pops of horror that people will remember? But also, like, one of my favourite films as a five-year-old was Death Becomes Her. Yes. Do you remember that movie? Yes. Right? As a five-year-old, though? Yeah, sorry, Mum and Dad. (laughs) (laughs) I remember seeing um, also like an SNL clip where some dude's head exploded when I was three and that 
stuck with me. So I think wow. Kane and I are both sick fucks and we just kind of wanted to like <laughs> put that on screen. And we're doing that with the next one as well. Hannah, can I just pick up on sick fucks? Um, one of the <laughs> themes, one of the themes we sort of bounce around it, like when you're dealing with a horror averse person, if you're a horror enthusiast, is my view that like feeling bad feels bad, but it strikes me that you and Kane would say, no, no, we're, we're sick fucks over here. Feeling bad actually feels good. Do you, yeah. do, do you have a view on, you know, feeling bad versus feeling good and which is better and which ought to be pursued in watching a film? Well, I feel like what attracts people to horror, and this is based on science that we've read in researching, you know, our genre um, that we're now, like, attached to, is that, you know, people feel really good when they're in control of very bad things. That's the dopamine rush that you get from watching a horror film. I love that. Yeah. Uh, So I'm only as at risk as for so long as I'm in the cinema and so I'm enjoying, yeah, yeah, okay. You feel like the puppeteer because it's not happening to you. Do you get this massive, like, rush of adrenaline and dopamine and all of this good stuff and that keeps you coming back to the genre? And I, I think that's a really great advantage for emerging filmmakers to kind of take advantage of our audiences. So so I remember I remember watching this the first time in the cinema and there's something special about watching horror in a cinema as like a communal event where everybody gets to share in the kills. What's it like watching other people watch your horror films? Um first of all I, like it's kind of nerve-wracking and it feels very self-indulgent and narcissistic to listen to your audience over and over again. (laughs) (laughs) What were your favourite bits? Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And what translates and lands and doesn't across, like, different audiences around the world because we had the privilege of going to Asia and Europe and America and hearing where people respond even through different languages, just through subtitles and... Um, I learned a lot about how I'm going to approach my filmmaking or my writing um, instruction next time. Like you, you never stop learning from the film that you make. So that's what I take away from it. So the silent co-host, I guess you could call it, of Spooko is Wikipedia. Because yes. the, the point of this pod is that I love horror. I want Peach to love horror the same way I do. And I'm using, again, uh, what is what is at least, you know, pop psychology exposure therapy by exposing him to the Wikipedia synopsis of horror. Have you read the Wikipedia synopsis of Sissy? No, I haven't. I didn't even know it existed. (laughs) I'm I'm like, because this is one of these things, like we get not really complaints, but we get people who are sometimes upset with how Peach reacts to films and Peach's defense is basically, well, I'm reacting to the Wikipedia synopsis. (laughs) I guess we never really get a chance to actually ask the filmmakers how they feel. Like, I mean, uh, there's not much I can do because this is the structure of the pod, but how do you feel about the fact that we're going to recap this film via the Wikipedia synopsis for Peach and that's going to be Peach's exposure to Sissy? Uh, I love it. As a self-deprecating sick fuck, I'm all for this kind of masochism, you know? <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> all right, all right, Peach. So usually what I'll do is, uh, like at this point, usually in the pod we haven't actually introduced the film, but it kind of like there was no way we could introduce you without mm. introducing the film. But usually I'll just use the Wikipedia synopsis description, which calls it uh, an Australian independent horror thriller film. Is there another way? Like, is there another sort of sub-horror genre that you put it into? I think it's satirical slasher for sure. Yeah. I would also call it a B-movie. Um, what else? Yeah. 
Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. Sick. Okay, well, today on Spooko with our special guest, Hannah Barlow, we are recapping the film she released in 2022, a satirical slasher B-movie called Sissy. To celebrate, sincerely, Cecilia reaching 200,000 followers. Wow. I'm giving all of my friends 50% off my new bespoke non-allergenic therapy rules. Needed this to The world needs more people like you. Sissy? Oh my god, it's you! How's it been? 12 years? You remember me, right? Yeah. I just can't picture myself without her. I was thinking about you the other day, and, and now here you are. You should come to my hen's weekend. Die. What's your thing? Are you like a model? <laughs> no, definitely not. She's an influencer. An influencer? Well, I, I'm more like a mental health advocate. I'm sorry, but I can't help but find it all a little bit ironic. Once upon a time, she lost her mind, and she tried to murder me. Sissy is preaching mental health. Cecilia, what are you? Rebranding? When we form a circle around ourselves, we are reminded that we carry with us an invisible boundary. No one enters but us. It's our very own safe space. And we never, ever have to leave it. Hey, friends! Cecilia is not as sincere as you think she is. I am loved. I am special. I am enough. Supposed to be me and Emma. That was supposed to be us. Stop the car. I am doing my best. Uh, I'm so sorry to come in hot and I'm so sorry to interrupt. Uh, this looks fucking sick. <laughs> yes, let's do sissy. Not a lot of um, not a lot of white men in there. And that was probably my only feedback. Like, Just like one. I, I don't know. A lot of the media I consume has a lot of white guys in it. So it was weird. Yeah. To, yeah really, really so sorry. The uh, representation. It's been a tough few millennia for us, but one yeah. day maybe. <laughs> yeah. Look, well, I'll try and bridge the gap where I can. Yeah. What I think is amazing about Sissy, based on what Peach just said, is you have like a really diverse cast, but you're not using it to be like, this victim is a victim because they're a person of color. Like, it's just like, it's everyone's a victim to the point where there's a moment in this film where there's a guy with, uh, I think, uh, like a spinal, like a spinal issue, you yes. know, who like gets brutally killed. And you're like, am I allowed to watch this? Is this yes. okay? He encouraged, Daniel Monks encouraged us to go further with hating <laughs> Jamie, his character. Like, we took the script to him in the development stage and he was like, make him the most, like the worst of that group. And like, that's, everyone's an asshole, you know? Like we're, if we're, if we're talking about equality in the world, everyone's an asshole. We're all sick fucks. Yes. We're all terrible to each other. Doesn't matter what you look like, where you come from. We all have bad behavior and that's what we're trying to put on screen. Satisfying kills is probably my fave horror trope. Like uh, scary, scary kids drawings. Hitting a deer yeah. or a kangaroo earlier in the film, and like 
really, really hate, like finding someone to really, really hate and be like, oh, it's going to be so good when you I want to see them die. Yes. And that's invoking all that, like, repressed rage within you that you have to deal with after the the final credits. Like, what is it in me that wants these people, these people who are toxic and mean but ultimately not evil, but I I want to see them die. Yes. Yeah, this is my favorite I, film I, already. I'm having the fucking best time. I'm sorry, Shane. Yeah, <laughs> no, 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 no. And, and we should stop. But yeah, it's really important to note that I found it hard to like anyone in this film. It was, it was a except Good. for maybe the cop, who's kind of fun. Exactly. Like, yeah, <laughs> the white straight cop. <laughs> right talk about spinning political correctness on its head like i grew up, i grew up on south park you know like that's that's yeah yeah Yeah. okay well i mean this film is definitely it all right so now remember that this is the wikipedia synopsis so it's going to tell things a little bit out of order so this is this is sissy from 2022 written directed and starring our guest hannah barlow young best friends cecilia and emma make a pact to be friends forever years later an adult cecilia is a successful lifestyle vlogger i never know if people say vlogger or vlogger well you just say you just say vlogger right correct Yes. We should stop here just to say that the main character, Cecilia, is played by Aisha D, who right. is an actual influencer. She's only an influencer in the sense that she is a, a well-known actress and has maybe peddled some products for that. But I'm not even sure about that. <laughs> but she she used to be in the Saddle Club, I think. I think yes. that's, that, was, that was her first big role. Mm-hmm. And has recently been an American series. It's it slipped my mind, but the um, bold type, the bold type, yeah, of course. And is is currently screening on SBS, I think, in Safe Home. Yes, Stevie Cruz Martin's Safe Home. Yeah. But also, if you follow her on social media, like like I know you're right. She's just someone who's famous that has a following, but she has like something like six hundred thousand followers. And at some point, I think you automatically become an influencer. Yeah, for sure. I think she influences in the sense that maybe she pedals back that attention into her career, but she's not influencing in the sense where she's a uh, like she's peddling products for other like people's companies or she's things. Yeah. She would hate to think of herself as a brand, even though kind of that's what actors are these days, you know? We like everything's a fucking brand mm-hmm. or a corporation. Whereas her character Cecilia is very much an influencer. She's like a wellness influencer. And I think the implication is that she's kind of essentially making, like she's like almost like a therapy or like self-care influencer. A mental health advocate. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's how she describes it. But the implication is she has no training and she's kind of making it up. Yeah, like a lot of wellness coaches online. Yes. Was it just like a, a, an amalgam of like different people or were there particular accounts or trends that you based her on? The apex predator of this space is Belle Gibson and that's who I based her on. <laughs> 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 so she's shopping at a pharmacy where she reunites with your character, Hannah, Emma, who is her friend from back in the day. And they haven't seen each other since they were kids and since something happened in their past. Mm. Now, Cecilia has her own, like, it's like simply Cecilia? It's all... Sincerely, so she goes by Cecilia, but when Emma sees her, she calls her Sissy, and she's like, oh, my God, Sissy, I haven't seen you in ages. And after exchanging contact information, Emma invites Cecilia to her engagement party and later to her bachelorette party. 
And how's yes. the experience of having your film read back to you that sort of has years of effort like placed <laughs> into it, read back to you in synopsis form? Um, yeah, I, I've been through the PR whirlwind through all of last year, so it's not my first rodeo, boys. Yeah, okay. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> But what, like, what's probably what's probably important to remember from here is that after she, like, there's this weird moment. So she drives this like little yellow car, like this this kind of cute little, like, very esoteric, Cartoon. yeah, cartoony sort of car. Yeah. And and there's this there's this great moment where she just keeps accidentally hitting this pregnant, like, almost hitting this pregnant woman in the car park. Yeah. It doesn't really come up later, but what was like? What's the significance of her like accidentally? <laughs> almost running over a pregnant woman a couple of times early okay. on in the film. Thank you for asking. No one's talked about this. So um, <laughs> that character had a full subplot. They were <laughs> they were supposed to be a character from our Love Island show, Paradise Lust, and the character was going to turn it, like, be on the TV and Cecilia was going to brag that she ran into her at the chemist and that character was just going to keep... It was a very confusing subplot that our producers were like, we need to cut that out because no one's going to understand it. So it was just a little moment. Like this feels like the most radical candor creative process I've ever heard. Like I'm deeply impressed with your like resilience and fortitude with like getting some pretty direct (laughs) feedback from like these people and like, yeah, let's just get rid of this. Yeah. Like is resilience a part of getting like I'm sorry like I know there are hard deadlines and you guys are busy and interesting people doing busy interesting people things, but <laughs> like it in 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 just creating a work that starts from some you know starts from a chat over a cup of tea or a glass of wine and ends up into being broadcast around the world and the subject of PR for like an eighteen month process. Is there yeah. a degree of like resilience and ability to like take some feedback in and push some feedback away and sort of edit, edit, edit? Who's making this comment? How much do I give a shit about their view? Like, how do you go through that that kind of process? I was watching a video about Bill Hader talking about um, the writing process, and as an actor who's been largely rejected my whole life, I'm I'm good at being resilient. I think, <laughs> um, but. Bill Hader said, you know, if someone is telling you that something's not working and they're trying to give you a way to fix the problem, don't listen to how they're fixing the problem, but there's something in it that definitely needs to change. So you just, as a writer or director or creative, you have to get good at listening to people, but listening to what's good in their advice and what's not. So they've spotted an issue and so it's not so much the solution they're proffering, it's the issue they've spotted kind of thing. Yeah, and sometimes they're, like, bang on in what they're saying. But if someone's saying there's an issue, you've got to pay attention to it. And so how do you and Kane balance that out? I can imagine that being a a complex interaction to have, to, like to have a personal relationship parallel to a pretty profound creative one as well. Like, there'd, there'd have to be some clear comms of, like, mm, Act 3 is a bit of a fucking fizzer. What are we going to do about it? Yeah, again, like, I feel like we're both, like, masochists. Um, and- yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're trying to survive in a creative industry and make money. So we need to get out of our own way. Like the mission is to like sustain a creative career. So we need to kind of be able to say what's the best idea in the room, what can move aside, when the best idea needs to get sacrificed for the sake of the larger product. You know, we have to we have to face each other and our egos every day, which, you know, can be a little taxing because I can't go, 
home at the end of the day and bitch about my colleague at work because it's him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it kind of sounds like there needs to be a new Hellraiser sequel where instead of tearing you apart with chains, they <laughs> sell in your indie script to a major studio and then you have to just deal with the masochism of that. Uh, who's writing you a check, dude? Like, <laughs> time for you to pitch to Hollywood. That's yeah. in like a strike right now, but that's when they're ready. <laughs> okay, but but okay. So we're very early on in this film, but you can kind of see already, like why I was just a little bit confused by this film because yeah. So Cecilia from the beginning, like she's a bit. I don't know if she's. I don't know what the word is, but she's like just a little bit panicky. She's a little bit. Anxious. There's just something not quite. Yes, very anxious. Yeah. And so when she accidentally hits this pregnant woman twice in this car park, or almost accidentally hits this pregnant woman twice in the car park, it's kind of like, it's a weird moment that never happens again. And it's kind of why this film is just so strange, but also so memorable. Anyway, so as, as the Wikipedia says, she gets invited to Emma's engagement party. And while they're all drunk at the party, Emma invites Cecilia to their bachelorette party, which I think... Pretty early on, we realized nobody kind of wants Cecilia there. And even Emma doesn't really want Cecilia there. But Mm. she got drunk and she invited her. And they didn't expect Cecilia to say yes, but she did. That's worst nightmare type scenario. Hey, we should meet up. And someone's like, yeah, okay, cool. We are meeting. Yeah, yeah. Worst worst nightmare stuff. Totally. Women people pleasing to the point of toxic fallout. Yeah. So they go on a trip to a house for this bachelorette party where they find out that the house is owned by Alex, which all all the friends clearly know, and Cecilia freaks out because it turns out this is Cecilia's old bully from school. Mm. Is it high school or is it primary school? I couldn't work out if it was primary school or high school. Okay, so the girls are turning 13 at the core trauma incident. Um, they're in year seven. They look like they're ten because they were at the time. That's the only. <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> see how some people only hit puberty like when they're seventeen. We're going with that logic. Yeah. Now, that's that's a really important note uh, just for all the sick fucks listening to this pod for (laughs) Hannah's sick fuck credentials because what Hannah does to a 10-year-old later on in this film is, like, unbelievable. Mm. But we're not there yet. Okay, so on their way, they accidentally hit a kangaroo. Now, you guys did this before Talk To Me did this as a bit of gore shadowing at the beginning of the film. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, And they (laughs) all... They all exit the car to hit it, and it's like, it's so gory. Like, it's not just like a dead kangaroo. It's like innards and flesh, and it's shiny, and it's disgusting. Was that was that practical effects? Did you, like, I don't think you're allowed to just, like, and I wouldn't expect anyone to, like, find a dead kangaroo, but, like, what was that on the ground? Yeah, real kangaroo, Larry von Deinhoven, who's, like, the preeminent, um, uh, practical practical effects guy in Australia. He did The Invisible Man, Relic. I'm pretty sure he even did talk to me. Um, he's the guy. He's the dude. Um, and so he found with Michael Price, um, our production designer, a real kangaroo. Skippy, the original Skippy, actually. <laughs> um, yeah, RIP. And then stitching that with our VFX, head of VFX's work. And, um, yeah, it, you know, it's a little silly. Um, we still think it's a little silly, like what you're seeing on screen, but um, in our time frame, that's the best we could do. Yep. Hannah, how do you think about 
um, foreshadowing, door shadowing, as, as yeah, we often so, call it on the yeah, door shadowing. I love it. I love it. Is it sort of a necessity? Because if I'm just an audience member who only finds out I'm in a fucking brutal slasher pick 35 minutes in, mm. um, like, am I going to be upset? Or if you've planted the seed of a gory kangaroo 11 or 12 minutes in and I'm like, okay, we're going somewhere with this. Is it is it mm. more or mm. less a necessity if you're thinking about um, not you're not thinking about marketing in it, but 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 you're thinking about broadcasting this as a work, you, you know, that might reach beyond sort of friends and family, if I can be blunt. <laughs> yeah. So, because oh, we are appealing to the hall, the horror, sort of the hall audience. <laughs> We're always appealing to the horror audience. <laughs> Broad and diverse. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> We're all sluts here and we love it. Um, <laughs> um, so you need to you need to grab your audience within the first five minutes. And originally we were going to show the incident, the major incident in the first five minutes of the movie, but in the edit we just switched things around. So, yeah, by at least by the, the pinch before the end of Act 1 or the inciting incident, you need to be throwing in blood because otherwise people are going to turn off that tv so yeah they're fucking sick yeah, so that's- they need their blood yeah i get it they do we need to deliver and like <laughs> like i know peach you're joking but it is actually kind of true and it's like yeah. if i don't see something disgusting in a horror film early on i'm a bit like oh what is like it like it better have a pretty great story does it work yeah, in the reverse just- where if you're watching a film sorry Hannah, you probably never had a white guy interrupt you um, <laughs> not once not once definitely not every day of my definitely life not every day <laughs> <laughs> i was going to ask both of you whether you could any so, sorry i'm going to talk about this movie because i'm really excited about it as well but but just on the gore shadowing point are there any, mm. like, misses of gore shadowing where you'll just be watching a normal movie and then, like, 60 minutes in, you're just in brutality and it's sort of too jarring because you haven't you haven't had the seed planted? And perhaps now is not the time to ask this question, but if I can just float that. Yeah. Valid point. But lubricating. You need to lubricate before yeah. you fuck, you know? It's foreplay. Yeah, it's foreplay. It's play. Gore play. Yeah. Oh, We've yeah. done it, which is an awful term, and I'm sorry I invented it. And I'm going to take it further. Like, if you want to watch, I mean, I am not the kind of horror um, fan that wants to watch, like, rape. Like, there's a film called, um, I've actually forgotten the name of it, but I saw something last year where it just dove into brutal rape and murder, and that's not me. So you've got to tell your audience within the first, like, at least first 15 to 20 minutes, you know, how we're cushioning you through this horrible experience. Yeah, okay, this is a bloody, like, I, I think you used the term horror pop or pop horror earlier. Like. Pop horror. Yeah, we're not scaring you here. We're going to gross you out, but we're not, um, yeah, we're not going to be freaking you out about your paradigms about the world and stuff. It, it's very soft. Okay, so after they after they run over this kangaroo, well, after they hit this kangaroo, they go outside and Cecilia has, like, a moment where she freaks out because she imagines the kangaroo is like a young Alex screaming in pain. We don't necessarily know that's what's... Like, it's all a little bit like... We don't quite know what's happening, but because this is Wikipedia, they're just kind of explaining what's happening at that point. Mm. They decide that they need to put the kangaroo out of its misery, and unlike the cowards from Talk To Me, they decide to run over the kangaroo's head. Yes. Yep. (laughs) <laughs> That's a little bit more gore play for us. You'll see as we get you know further into this film. 
All it's right. a bookend. It's a bookend. It's foreshadowing. It's foreshadowing what's to come, right? Yeah. Yeah. So. Fran, so once they arrive at their destination, Alex is kind of surprised. So remember, Alex is the bully who owns the house. She's waiting there for everyone to come. And they're like, everyone, hey, I've got the house ready for this bachelorette. And all of a sudden, Cecilia's there. And she's a bit like, um, what the fuck? And I think, like, this is where I was confused. The whole film, I was like, I don't know if I'm supposed to be on Cecilia's side or not. Because part of me was like oh, it's a bit shit how everyone's treating Cecilia coldly. But on the other hand, I'm like, why are you showing up to this, like, weekend away where you're not invited? Yeah, so Emma's parent trapped them both, doesn't she? <laughs> well, like, it's just a lack of EQ of, of like, if there's an invite person who's, like, drunk in the morning, of like, bah, we should be best friends forever. It's like, oh, great. Okay, yeah, best yeah. friends forever. Completely accepts what you've said late at night. Yeah, I mean, this is the first moment where you're seeing who Emma really is. Yeah, I also caution me mainly against victim blaming because I, like, it is a trope that we try to avoid, but I feel like you're almost playing with us in that respect as well, Hannah, in this. How are we all complicit? How are we all complicit in bad things happening? Because it's not all one-sided. So, Peach, obligatory legal question. I make a promise with my friend. I make a pact with my friend as a kid that we're going to be best friends forever. Is that legally binding? When, well, so there are two elements to that question, right? So is it legally (laughs) binding and then is it enforceable, right? (laughs) And then if it was enforceable, what orders would you want the court to make to enforce it? And on one view, that's specific performance where you require someone who's a party to a contract to do precisely what, they say, or in the alternate, you want damages, right? You want a money payout amount. But the view I take is that it's probably void for uncertainty and probably, is this more than six years ago? Oh, I guess if it's some forms of equitable equitable relief more than 12 years ago, do we think our characters are over the age of 24 and a half, 25, if they're like 12 and a half? Yes. Yeah, okay. Um, so I think regardless of whether it is legally binding, I think it is going to be unenforceable because it's going to be outside the six years for most types of relief and then the 12 years for some forms of equitable relief. So, Shag, is it legally binding? Maybe, but could it be enforced in any court I'm aware of? No. And so from a technical perspective, very interesting question, practical perspective, so sorry. So I I don't know if you did the, the sort of law due diligence before, you know, writing that pact in the script, but... um. Uh, you've got your answer now. And Cecilia is definitely the bad guy in this situation. It's good to know that she can't sue Emma for damages. No, that she might hold on to that time capsule they buried. You know? All right. Well, I, th- I, I think that comes later as well. Look, again, Wikipedia leaves a lot out. So uh, apologies <laughs> if things if, if things don't make quite a, as much sense as they would on the watch. But anyway, okay. I so- guess I've got to go back and edit my Wikipedia page. <laughs> <laughs> Hannah, Wikipedia is such fun. So, like, Shag's having to read the Nightmare on Elm Street summary of, like, you know, a, a figure wearing a clawed hand and a hat, you know, looms in the Name? darkness. <laughs> Who could it be? Freddy. Frederick. Frederick. So they show up. Alex is like super cold to her and is like, why did you invite? Everyone's just a bit weird. They decide to, everybody sits down, everybody that night, like they decide to like watch this show. Um, It's like, it's it's a version of Love Island. Paradise. Paradise Lost. It's basically shot for shot Love Island. Yeah. Paradise Lost. 
And again, it's not in here, but there's a like a incredibly like cringy moment where Cecilia's like interrupts them watching it, and they're all like, "Why are you interrupting us? All watch the show we love." And she's like, "No, you're gonna love it." To show them like home videos of Cecilia and Emma dancing to was it Sister to Sisters, My Sister? Yes. Like a real, if you know, you know, Australian pop track from late 90s, early noughties. I'm trying to think. The of- Sydney Olympics, the hit, like Y2K. <laughs> that's, that's the era we're diving into. Uh, <laughs> and, and I'm trying to remember because I'm trying to remember, like everyone's response at this point, everyone's kind of like, oh, that's cool. Or is everyone like, this rules? No one's like, this rules. I'm not even like... I'm still not like this rules, you know. <laughs> so, so more and more you're starting to be like, oh, okay, so Cecilia's like, she's fine, but there's she's not 100% there. Then they have a dinner party where Alex very pointedly cuts down Cecilia's social media career. Like, even though it sounds like Cecilia has hundreds of thousands of followers, Alex makes a point to be like, but you're not a real therapist. And one of the girls at this party is a therapist and she actually had to go to uni for it. Yes. Sorry, I missed the question. Oh, there wasn't, there wasn't, I was, I'm just trying to recap. I'm I'm doing my best to (laughs) recap this and then I'm just, I'm I'm leaving a blank for you to add flavor. Adding flavor. Yes. The, the hypocrisy is unearthed. The, um, sort of grey area legally of what uh, C- Cecilia is doing online is unearthed. Like, she shouldn't be doing that. It's reckless. The internet and strangers connecting over the internet is not a safe space for us to actually be healing together. Um, and there is a, yeah, a licensed therapist sitting at this table. And, but yeah. what do they know? What, what the fuck do psychologists know about yeah. anything? Nothing. <laughs> nothing. <laughs> so when they, they, they have a big night... Everyone kind of gets drunk. Cecilia wakes up later than everyone else and everyone in the house is gone. Mm. But she's been left a map from Emma that they've all bushwalked to this really picturesque lake. And again, this is again where this film is like, I don't know what's happening. There's a scene as Mm. Cecilia is like running towards the lake where she's like prancing in slow-mo through long grass and there's like beautiful music behind her. Like what Mm -hmm. is this scene? Yeah, Carousel, Disney, what we call Psycho Disney Pop. It's like the fantasy is getting cranked up. The time capsule is starting to get opened up and expanding into her world. That might not be obvious. Oh, no, 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 absolutely. It's just like it's one of those things where it's like there's there's a lot going on in this film. It's jarring. It's jarring. That's it. Like mm. it is really jarring. Like the shift, the tonal shift tonal. in this film are wild. Yeah. So she gets to the lake, but... This is high-quality bullying. Like, 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 I'm already here and I'm like, woof, this is good, good bullying. So so she gets she gets to the lake, but she gets there before anyone can hear her and she overhears everyone bitching about her. She yeah. hears Alex, Tracy, and Jamie. So Jamie is the character. He has, like a, he, he has sort of like a walking stick and the only reason I think that's important is because you see him brutally killed in a way that I wasn't expecting a little bit later mm. on. But they're all bad-mouthing her. They're all being like, why the fuck did she come? She sucks. And then there's clearly there's clearly some animosity between Alex and Cecilia. Not Emma and Cecilia, but Alex and Cecilia, where everyone's like, Alex, you're the one in the right. Cecilia sucks. Let's make this a like a no Cecilia. Like, let's oh, it's like let's cancel C- Cecilia. They're basically like, in our small group, Cecilia is cancelled. 
Yeah, we're back on the playground. Emma storms off angrily. All but Alex follow her. Alex asks Cecilia while... So, so Cecilia then goes down. Alex knows she's there. And Alex asks Cecilia why she bothered showing up. And then she steals her phone, which she basically breaks into her account to, like, post something really fucked to expose Cecilia and, like, properly cancel her. Cecilia freaks out and strikes Alex on the head with a rock, seemingly killing her. Yeah. Yep, a rose quartz crystal. Okay, yeah, that's that's important. That's, that's it. Why that, it that is the page. And even in this moment, this is where I'm like, this movie is really interesting. It's like, even in this moment, you're like, oh, wait, but who's the victim here? Because Alex, like, grabbed her phone and was trying to, like, complete, like, and I'm not saying anyone should hit anyone on the head with rose quartz, but you're not straight away like, oh, like, Cecilia's the antagonist here. It's just, it, it's strange, right? We find out that when they were kids, Emma started hanging out with a new crew. So Emma and Cecilia were best friends, but it's that thing that happens in year seven where like two friends get exposed to bigger friendship groups and the queen bee of this friendship group is Alex who starts basically taunting Cecilia as being a sissy Mm. and being like, sissy, the sissy, sissy, the sissy. So we realise the nickname sissy isn't actually like a nice nickname, it's a mean nickname, which I think is a really nice flip. Yes, thank you. So, 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 and I don't know if it happens in the film, but this is where it's revealed in the Wikipedia synopsis. So when they were kids, the reason why no one's seen Cecilia for a while, the reason why Alex hates Sissy is because there became this argument where everybody was being like, Sissy, the Sissy, Sissy, the Sissy. And it's kind of like that nightmare on Elm Street, like Freddy's going to, like, it's like a million kids' voices in this girl's ear. And she gets so incensed, and I think because they're they're burrowing like a friend capsule, she has a trowel in her hand, and like you know what I mean by trowel. And she gets so angry that all of a sudden she does something, like she does a big action to be like, I'm not a sissy. Complete silence, mm. and then the camera reveals in this ten year old's cheek a trowel buried all the way to the handle. Mm-hmm. It is like. <laughs> It is so, it is so unexpected. I mean, like, was there ever a chat that you were like, we can't show a 10-year-old being disfigured? No, there was no chat. (laughs) And I'm a teacher of (laughs) 10-year-olds. Putting putting children in danger is very 2020, you know, very, very post-COVID, like children in danger is very much of the zeitgeist. So it it is. Bravo, Hannah, but still it's, uh, it's brutal. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of talk about uh, the upper echelons of society drinking children's blood at the moment. I'm not sure if the algorithm is serving you that content, but it is for mm. me. <laughs> not yet, but now that you've said that, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure it's I get picked up. Yeah. <laughs> so, so anyway, Cecilia freaks out that she might have killed Alex. And she's, again, she's like, I, like it's the same as the trash. She's like, I didn't mean to do this. I'm sorry. I didn't know what happened. And so she drags the body and buries it under a mound and does this like really hilarious thing where she buries it with this like, almost like this like rock formation. This like, she uses like twigs and flowers to make it look really pretty. And then because clearly it's her self-care, she records a video for her followers being like, when you're in a stressful situation, what what's the term? She's like create a like something like create something in the get into nature. Um, I you know what I've 
I'm so glad I'm forgetting what I even wrote at this point. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. That's a good moment for me. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a moment of like, yeah, get into nature and nurture yourself. Don't be on your phone all the time. Yeah, she uses it as a, as a moment to peddle, um, yeah, her message to her followers. That's how she self-soothes, is to preach. So she's buried her. And then Jamie, who has lost everyone, is, like, wandering around, like, to take a piss. Because I think everyone's, like, a little bit, like, drunk at this point. Like, they've all been day drinking. And he takes a piss and then he notices Cecilia and he's like, what the fuck are you doing here? And Cecilia tries to, like, play dumb, but then he notices the body and he's like, something's wrong here and does the right thing, which is just immediately run. Like, he's immediately like, something's wrong here, immediately runs. Cecilia at this point is still like, oh, no, 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 you've got it all wrong. You don't understand. Chases after him. They get to a cliff face where... He's trying to placate her. He's being like, I promise I won't tell anyone. And she's like, no, you don't understand. It's all a big misunderstanding. And then she hears the voices of the others and in a split second pushes him off the cliff. Yes, which again, was it a mistake? Was it intentional? Did she do it? Was it him? (laughs) I mean, you wrote it, so I don't know why you're asking us the question. (laughs) 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 <laughs> but, but yeah that's such a, that it's such a good point and then i kind of love it's almost comical like is it kind of a, like you have the fake body falling off the, the cliff and crashing yeah it's slapstick yeah for sure it's pretty it's like brutal like the head hits the rocks and you see like the body like he swings around the tree like a Cirque du Soleil performer <laughs> <laughs> all right okay yeah emma then falls into a river while searching for Alex. Back at the house, Tracy reveals... So Tracy's one of the other characters. There's a number of characters. Wikipedia didn't do a very good job introducing them. Tracy's another one of the friends who's at the party. Yeah. Reveals that she knows what happened between Cecilia and Alex and is like, it's kind of okay, whatever. But Cecilia then pushes Tracy into a bathtub and watches vacantly as the latter drowns when her hair gets tangled in the plug. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so... Yeah, that's basically it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So tick for Wikipedia. Yeah, nice. Okay. <laughs> but what's but what's really funny is even at this stage, I was still kind of like, maybe Cecilia's the victim in this. And even as I read this out, and on second watch, I was like, oh, I get it. But it's like at the on first watch, you're like, oh, poor Cecilia. Like, <laughs> Good. all these awful things. That's what I want <laughs> you to feel. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're co-signing. We're co-signing. We're co-signing. We're co-signing. Yeah. <laughs> We're her followers too. It's nice. Okay, so meanwhile, Alex, who is still alive, emerges from her grave, nearly bro- but nearly blinded from a grievous head wound. And she's like, she's bloody and disgusting. She has this amazing moment where she tries to call the police, but when they pick up, all she can do is like scream. And and I don't even know, like, is it because like her vocal cords fucked her? Is she just like so brain damaged? She's brain damaged. She, she's zombie Alex. You know, she shouldn't be alive. And so she just screams. And so the, the police who are listening, there's a really funny scene where he's like a regional cop and he's eating a pie. And at first he's like, I told you to stop calling. And then when the screaming continues, he's like, oh, fuck, no, wait, what are you doing in the middle of the bush? Hang on. What is this person? And then the police are mobilized. Yes. So you've got, you've got a feeling that, okay, the, the authorities have been alerted that something's going on someone's coming, in this remote yeah, house. Someone's coming to save the day, maybe. Gosh, so many ticks in the in the horror. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's That's, do it. Yeah. 
So Cecilia, I think, finds a car and goes driving to find Emma and be like, it's all a misunderstanding. I'm so sorry. I got the, like, you know, all of this stuff that's, and basically try to like somehow keep their friendship, even though everything that's happened, any reasonable person would be like, you are completely fucked. Like, yeah. Or, or she's just driving away from the scene because she doesn't know how to handle it, right? Like, make yeah. one of those. Probably the one you said. I don't know. I think I, it. Like, I, like, I like your reading of it. Like, yeah, she's driving to explain herself. <laughs> but 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 if you remember, sort of everybody sort of wandered off at this point, like uh, like after the thing. So she she's killed. Well, she's almost killed Alex. She's potentially killed Jamie. She doesn't quite know where everyone else is. As she's driving, she sees one of the other girls from the party, Fran, on the road while she's searching for Emma, and. She confesses her heartbreak that they didn't grow old together as they said they would when they were kids. And sort of, basically, this is where you get a bit of an insight into Cecilia's character where she's basically like, it turns out the reason why she drives that really weird car at the start is because it was actually Emma's dream as a kid. So she's sort of living all of Emma's dreams as an adult. And like, even though she hasn't seen them for a while, she's always sort of held on to like, Emma as her best friend and potentially one of the reasons she's become this successful vlogger is because she's potentially quite, I don't know if the, this is the right term, but quite damaged from what happened to her as a kid and has never quite recovered. Is that a good read? Perfect read. She's stuck in the trauma and she's still responding to that original moment. That's why she's dyed her hair pink, you know, because Emma said that once. So there's a moment, I'm trying to work out, because Wikipedia doesn't quite explain this, but she finds Fran... Fran freaks out while they're in the car. Fran gets out of the car. Yeah. And, oh, no, 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 this is what happens. Oh, yeah, so, okay, Wikipedia has explained it. Okay, so, because this is one of my favourite kills in the movie. So, Fran tries to, like, calm her, but Cecilia gets more and more erratic, accelerates and suddenly breaks, and I don't know if it's intent... Like, it's, it's weird that it's it's not seen as intentional or not. Suddenly breaks, ejecting Fran from the windshield. So Fran goes flying out of the windshield, Magic. and she's now lying on the ground, like, co- like completely contorted, uh, like a total mess, on the ground in the heat of these headlights. Mm. Kangaroo style. Yeah, 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 let's do it. <laughs> so, tries to placate Cecilia... Cecilia doesn't have a bar of it. And so she slowly and slowly, not fast, slowly drives forward and drives over Fran's head. And you watch her head in a shot that lasts a couple of seconds at least. Basically, the skull collapse, the eyeballs liquidate, goo to come out of the mouth. It's the scene where I was like, wow, this film is going for us. Tell us about the head explosion. Yeah, you even get like a little pop sound when the eyeball comes out. Um, it's very <laughs> cartoony. Um, yeah, that's for sure like the best kill in the whole movie and it was so much fun to stitch, to work with both um, like prosthetics, uh, the practical effects team, makeup artists, the VFX team. Like that was where all the kind of money went was into that kill, but that's the bookend of the kangaroo kill. And and the reason why Cecilia puts Fran out of her misery is because it's the, the right thing to do. It's the kind thing to do. So it is, I mean, it, yeah, like it was an incredibly kind thing to do. We've all been in that situation. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so, so at this point, so keep in mind, so at this point Cecilia has killed most of Emma's friends mm. and the police are on their way. So Cecilia arrives back at the house Mm. and is repeatedly beating herself in the face with her phone 
like to be like stupid you idiot what are you doing what are you doing blah 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 but but then begins a live stream and <laughs> starts to construct this story yeah. where she's begging her followers for help and claiming that Alex attacked her and killed the others yes so magic which i think is actually like super clever and yeah, yeah. i guess my point is it's like this is the point where surely you're supposed to be like oh no 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 she's the best yeah she's a fucking psychopath like she's so smart yeah like of course she's peddling this but but do you think <laughs> She was kind of out of control and a bit like, I don't know what's going on the whole way through, or is it all an act? And is she just, like, completely in control the whole time? I don't think she's in control. I think that she's unself-aware, but I think that that's okay. This is her redemption story. So she's peddling it to to uh, grow out of this awful loop she's been in her whole life. So Cecilia subsequently passes out and is awoken by Emma, to whom Cecilia relays the same story. Because Emma's like, what the fuck's going on? I can't find anyone. And Cecilia is like, this is what's happened. But then Emma realizes the truth when she finds Tracy's corpse. So remember Tracy, who uh, Cecilia let drown in the bathtub, hidden under the bed and notices. So there's, there's another point where when she thinks she's killed Alex, she steals the friendship necklace that Alex and Emma have. So she steals it so she can wear Emma's friendship bracelets. So basically Emma's like, hang on, no, I know what's happening. And essentially tries to, I guess, placate Cecilia. Cecilia accidentally causes Emma to slip and knock herself up and ties her up with the attention of fixing their friendship when she regains consciousness. But Emma frees herself and begins to fight back. She gains the upper hand, viciously beating Cecilia, before Alex suddenly returns. And this is amazing, right? So you made a really good point. So she's zombie Alex at the Mm. moment, right? So Emma and Cecilia are having this fight, like, to the death. Because Emma's like, you've killed all my friends. Cecilia's like, you're my best friend. If I can't have you, no one kind of have. Alex shows up, and because she's zombie Alex, she gets confused. And she thinks... Emma is Cecilia. Because of their pink hair. (laughs) That's right. So it's not right. But basically, like, Cecilia then dyes her hair pink to match Emma's hair, to be like. Oh, she she dyes Emma's hair uh, hair pink while Emma's knocked unconscious to match her hair. That's right. It's a stretch. It's a stretch. (laughs) But it's, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, It's a good dye job as well, (laughs) considering the circumstances. So Alex suddenly returns, confusing Emma for Cecilia. She bashes Emma's face in. And again, this is like, I mean, it's like the end of Irreversible or something. It's a proper, like, the face gets bashed in. I mean, it must have been weird watching the rushes, watching the edits of this, and just, like, did you get desensitised to the gore? By the okay, end? so as a sick fuck, cut to me on set, watching my head get caved in behind the monitor because I'm directing the scene. And I'm mm. laughing my ass off, <laughs> trying not to make sound so I don't disturb the sound guy. Like, it was the bet most fun. I enjoyed every single second I had with that footage. So Cecilia thanks Alex, and upon realising the areas she's made, Alex is about to kill Cecilia before the police arrive and fatally shoot Alex, believing her to be the instigator. Everyone is now dead except for Cecilia, and the only record of what's happened are the live streams that Cecilia has put on her account to, like, however many hundreds of thousands of followers. Yeah. We talk about in Spooko how, like, a good horror film should end on a bad note. <laughs> you shouldn't end with 
people getting the comeuppance and the world being safe. So the film ends with Cecilia now with 10 times as many followers and not just Sincerely, Sincerely Cecilia, but the survivor of the Alex Kudis massacre promoting a book she has written about how to survive stressful situations. And that's the end of Sissy. Peach, I know that that was a very broken synopsis, but how did you feel about the film? Yeah, you need to have your villain revealing that they are formidable, I think, at the end, and we'll we'll continue on. That's a horror trope that's taken me about 180, 190 episodes to understand. (laughs) That if you, well, genuinely, Hannah, like if you kill Freddy at the end because you read about Balinese dream catching or whatever (laughs) then the conclusion is okay he actually wasn't that scary at all like who gives a shit what do we fucking watch this movie for and i think sort of sissy being like empowered by her killing spree leaves us now with a more powerful um villain who we are left to understand is gonna see zero negative consequences from their from their killing spree like it's a like it's a the omen Damien turning around at the end as I keep coming back to being like nah, death and nah, 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 more death That's all facts. Um, and yeah exactly exactly uh, and and I'm about it uh, I think it was very very good and I enjoyed hearing about it a lot <laughs> was it intentional making an influencer who makes their living off a trauma of their own creation yeah yeah she gained 10 million uh, followers nice. 100% and that also keeps her in that same loop of, like, not being accountable. How also, can I say, you know, bef- before we before we say mm. goodbye uh, and, you know, do, do our shout-outs and things, how did you feel hearing your film back via Wikipedia? Did it, did it feel complete? Do you feel like Peach got, you know, the gist of I CC? think so. I think it was a great conversation. I feel like Wikipedia has done a really good job and... I haven't done this exercise before, so thank you for reflecting my art back to me. (laughs) (laughs) What a gift. Now, speaking of your art, obviously Sissy was from last year. What are you working on next? Are you still within the horror space? Tell us what we should look out for. Yeah, um, with the uh, funding and support of Screen Australia, Kane and I are in development on our next baby, which is called Cooch, and that's all I'll say. Oh, what a great (laughs) name. Um, nice. We'll see if that actually is birth to the world in the next few years, fingers crossed. But, um, yeah, we're, like, lost in the madness of her and having a lot of fun. And, yeah, we're upping the ante, hopefully. Okay. Can you can you at least drop a subgenre? Like, is it horror? Is it slasher? Like, what's Cooch going to be? Um, hmm. uh, yeah, horror, somewhat sci-fi, um, somewhat I don't know, psychedelic. It also sounds like what um, Dua Lipa is also describing her next <laughs> album as psychedelic. So it's it's there you go. It's it's like this. The next couple of it's years are going to be the psychedelic yeah. years. It's the zeitgeist. Hannah Barlow, thank you so much. Hannah, it's been a pleasure chatting to you, and, and I'm sort of a little disarmed by the like earnestness and pride you're able to treat a creative work. Like I think there are a number of people who who create things who are like, "Ooh, hope you like it, whatever." It's just my shitty little thing, <laughs> and it's been a real pleasure to kind of work through 
um, you know, individual scenes and the creative process with you. It's been a real treat and real pleasure having you on. So thank you for sharing your time. Oh, thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure talking to you both. And now I'm a fan of the show. I'll be listening and joining in with what were you saying? Was it the, the bad, the bad feeler, the bad feelers or? I like the bad feelers. It's feel, feel bad, bad club, but the bad feelers is also pretty Where cool. Where can I get my pin from Etsy? The feel bad club. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Etsy, Etsy. Well, who even knows? Who even just keep your Where's eyes the on? Merch? Maybe Etsy, Where's maybe the somewhere merch? else. Yeah, yeah, just that. Spook over my Etsy. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> Thank you so much, Thanks, Hannah. Guys. A delight. Um, Thank, Thank you so you. much. Thank Classic you so sick much. fuck shout out. That was the best interview. Uh, This was recorded at FBI Studios. Please like, subscribe and follow wherever you can and as much as you can. And Resh's, what's up?